Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon podcast. Hi, you guys, and welcome back. This is Sarah, in case you forgot. <laughs> and this is Katie, and welcome. We have a special kind of different show for you today. We were lucky enough to be guests on a podcast called Intimate Justice. And it the host is our new friend, Jennifer. And yeah, yeah she, isn't she so great, Sarah? She's really lovely, you guys. I think you're going to enjoy it. She's She's calming and like her voice is soothing and she's cool and yeah, it was it was um it was a really nice experience to be guest on a yeah. podcast. It was our first time or my first time I think being a guest. I can't right, remember. Right, too. She so her podcast is really great. You should go subscribe to it. Uh, she's on I listen to her on Spotify and this is her third episode. So if and I have loved everything that she's said in her episodes so far. She's very articulate, and she her, her main I think focus is talking about sexuality and a lot about healing from trauma and discovering your sexual identity and things like that. So Sarah and I were guests on, and we talked a lot about our sexual experiences uh, leaving the Mormon <laughs> church. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so make sure that you go subscribe to her. She did a wonderful job with on over on her podcast. Um, her episode is very beautifully edited. And as you guys know, we keep it a little more raw around here. (laughs) (laughs) We do. So we have our, our recording and we got Jennifer's permission to also record and that's what you'll be hearing in a bit but make sure you do go support her listen to her other episodes and follow her on the social media and stuff because she's amazing she is yeah and so yeah as katie said definitely go check her out on her instagram it's called intimate justice podcast Mm -hmm. so definitely go check her out um and wherever you listen to podcasts subscribe and yeah support a fellow ex-mormon a a dirty heathen talks about sex dirty sexy heathen (laughs) yes definitely guys enjoy so I mean, I want to know more about the two of you. I listened to some of your episodes. I didn't want to listen to too much, though, because I wanted it to be, like, really organic when when we met, you know? Mm-hmm. So I listened to your first episode about kind of your guys' history with each other. So you both went to BYU, right? No. No, just Sarah went to BYU. I okay. didn't, but I met her when she when she went there because I was living in the same town that BYU is in. Gotcha. And then, okay. So Katie, you're from Arizona originally, no? I'm actually from Orem, Utah, which is, Are yeah, you just really? the town. Okay. Yeah. That's, okay. Okay. That's right. I couldn't remember which one of you was from Orem. What, what high school did you go to? Orem High. You did. What year did you graduate? 2005. Okay. We were two years apart, dude. What? I, yes, I was class of 07. At Orem High? Yes. That means we went there together. I like know. When I was a senior, you were a soft. Are you? Yeah, you were a yes. soft. What? Yes. 
How oh, I got so that? jealous, Katie. You have all the high school connections, and I'm like, hi. Well, this yeah, because I, saw, I didn't even know. Wow. I saw that you guys recorded or um, interviewed Lynn, and I was like, wait, I yes. know Lynn. I know Lynn. But this I have talked for years. How nuts. This is blowing my mind right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I was like, okay, Oram, I wonder like where she went to high school. So we went at the exact same time. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> so nuts. This is the small world. I know. It's so crazy. So crazy. And you're, but you're in Arizona right now, no? Yeah, I live in okay. Phoenix now. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. And then Sarah, you're in Germany. I am, yeah, I'm in ah. Berlin. So when, how long have you lived there for? Oh, God, in almost eight years. Okay. Holy shit, dude. That's a long time. Yeah. Do you love it? I do love it. I do. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Um, I moved here as a a Mormon, obviously. And then I like moved to the, the wildest, craziest city full of like sex everywhere, you know? And I'm like, (laughs) hi, I'm Mormon. Um, (laughs) you know, and then when I left, it was like, no middle ground it was yeah. like I just hit the ground running and Dude, was like I love that experiencing Berlin yeah and you're in Barcelona I'm in yeah so I'm in Barcelona I've I've just been here for about two years now oh cool yeah so I love Barcelona I do it's I do too cool. it's a it's a cute city it's it's really cool but we're we were just able to leave so we went to Madrid which is awesome just yeah, to like I actually prefer out. Madrid over Barcelona. I, I, I said it. I said it. No, but no, <laughs> but we do too. Like, I think it's the whole, I mean, I won't go too deep into it, but the whole like divide between the Catalans and the Spanish people, yeah. it's, dude, it's hard because I love Spanish culture, Catalan culture. I'm like, uh, like I can take it or leave yeah. it. So yeah, mm-hmm. but okay. Um, well, yeah. All right. I just have, I'm trying to compile like all my questions and guys, thank you so much. Like you were my first guests on the show, the show I haven't even put up on like SoundCloud or podcasts or anything. Cause I'm still recording the first few episodes. So you're going to be within the first three and I'm oh. stoked. I'm really, really, really excited. So I kind of, I think I've explained a little bit of what it is, but like you guys, I grew up in the church and there was so much like taken away from me that I feel like really affected me growing up sexually. And so I wanted to like make a podcast just about that, not necessarily with in regards to the church. I definitely am doing a couple episodes with that, but just in the way of kind of like reclaiming the sexuality, I feel like was kind of taken from me. So it's called Intimate Justice and I'm going to go through each episode and just kind of talk about different topics and on the church and so I'm I knew I needed to talk to you guys about it too because you have this amazing podcast and you've talked about like every topic under the sun which is incredible so I'm yeah I'm just I'm really excited to kind of get your guys's perspectives and viewpoints about like you growing up around the topic of sex and how you're kind of dealing with it now as an adult who's who's left the church. So with, with both of you, so you both grew up in the church, right? Yes. 
Okay. And your your whole family? <laughs> Sorry, I have to <laughs> uniform to interrupt. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we apparently sound the same. So I feel like, Katie, every time we respond, we're going to have to be like, Sarah here. Um, here's my answer. <laughs> Back to you, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of do sound the same a little bit. Oh my I know, god! Everyone says that. I think it's yeah. so funny. Right before you joined the call, I was just saying that that one of my closest friends here, she listens, and she's like, "I really can't tell you two apart." And I'm like, "Really, bish? Like, you're one of my closest <laughs> friends. You should be able to know what I sound like." But you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. Anyway, uh, sorry. Back on track. No. As you know, I'm the chatty Kathy one. So I, and I love that. To point that out. <laughs> no, I love it. I love the chatty Kathys. Anytime you want to take it away. <laughs> and yeah, so, I mean, it's a topic about sex, so I'm already like, oh my oh, god, dude. oh so. yeah, oh yeah, like it is the most fascinating topic, and I think, especially coming from the standpoint of being an ex Mormon, you're just like, what the fuck? Like looking back on all these like crazy things, and it's just it's bizarre. It is the most yeah. interesting thing to talk about for sure. I love it. Yeah. And your whole, so your, both of your families were Mormon as well. I remember, I remember one of you said that your, I think it was you, Sarah, that said your dad wasn't Mormon, right? But your mom was. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So my, my dad never converted to Mormonism. Yeah. Um, it was just my mom. She converted after they were married. So my two oldest brothers, like everyone was baptized, but by the time my my oldest brothers were baptized, they were just like in their teens and were like, "We're this is weird. We're not doing it." Yeah. And then so the other siblings and I, like, we all dipped in and out of being inactive and then being active. And because I was the youngest, I had it the most. Like mm. my mom was fully devout by then, so I grew up active and then went to BYU. I mean, I had my little weird high school drinking phase but I was terrified like I was okay to drink but I was literally terrified of sex like I didn't let anyone near me like it it was an off boundaries like I was just so scared of that like I was like yeah I'm gonna party and drink but don't touch me (laughs) so interesting and so was that your family dynamic growing up like was that implemented from the church and your parents do you think or was that just like a church thing Definitely. I think it was both for me, like growing up with my mom being um, obviously Mormon and being raised Mormon, but also just because, you know, I'm from Georgia and it's like very conservative. And, you know, it was always taught that like women need to be um, virtuous and, you know, their (laughs) reputation is all that matters. So I was always taught like you need to be a lady and like make sure like you do this and this. And so I had a like double influence, like it was double sided where I had the Mormonism scaring the hell out of me that like if I had sex, it was the closest thing to the sin of murdering. Yeah. And then I had the other side where it was like, if I have sex outside of marriage, like I'm no longer reputable. Like I'm just right, not right. a lady. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. that, that, like that cross culture of just like sex is evil (laughs) almost evil yes (laughs) so crazy and Katie you were the same way with your parents and your family yeah so my my entire family uh was and still is 
Mormon, like generations back. It's like the pioneer <laughs> Mormon family. So they're yeah, like rolling in their grave <laughs> with your podcast. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, sex just wasn't it, it. It wasn't talked about, and also if it was, it was in a way where it was like you just don't don't ever do it. Don't yeah. you know? Don't show your body off. Don't even think anything sexual. So yeah, no, no sex talk at all. (laughs) And then, so with that, like when you both left the church, how old were you both? Go ahead, Sarah. Sarah. (laughs) Taking over. Sarah here. Sarah here. Don't mind if I do. Ask all the questions about me. I just did a kick in the air too. So a little bit dramatic there. Um, I left the church officially when I was, I think, 28, and I'm 32 now, so it's been about four years, but I didn't lose, like, I didn't even think about sex or, like, I wasn't in the right place to even have sex until I was 29, so it's still relatively new for me, like, the last three. So you didn't do, you didn't have sex at all until you were 29? I didn't do the thing. I didn't uh, have my like little cherry pop. The penetration. Was... <laughs> you didn't do the <laughs> penetration. <laughs> yeah, none of that. And and before that, like, so I would say the year before. So when I was 28 is when I decided to leave. And then I thought, okay, what does that mean? Do I do I wait until I'm married to have sex? I don't know if I believe in that anymore. Okay, so then do I want to have sex? when I'm dating someone, do I want to just have one night stand? Like it took me a really long time to decide what I felt comfortable with. And then I lived in the city of Berlin, which is just like sex crazy everywhere, like sex clubs. And, you know, it's just the the city of doing whatever you want, which is fabulous. Yeah. But that also scared the hell out of me because I had only made out with a guy I had never done anything else. Like, my ex-boyfriend was Mormon, and I, I've mentioned it a few times in the podcast. He was like, I mean, yeah, we made out a lot, and he, like, touched my boobs a few times. But that was it. It was all overclothes. Like, mm. I never shown my body off in front of a man, which was a whole other insecurity I had from oh the church. Was that I didn't want – I was terrified of a man seeing me naked. Like, completely terrified. And then the other thought of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even like, I'm so naive. I don't even know how sex works. I had to like, I watch porn. That was my education. And I was just then even more terrified because I was like, oh my God, what is this? Is that what vaginas look like? Like my, my <laughs> vagina doesn't look like Mine that. Mine does not look like that. <laughs> <laughs> what? I can't, that. That's that does not look comfortable at all. That looks so painful. Like I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, so yeah, it took me a while. And then plus, you know, like I was on dating apps, and the whole time, you know, would get to the point where it has to be like, eh, and I'm a virgin. And then it was just like, wait, what? You're 29 and you're a virgin. It's like, yeah. Um, Did you ever don't... get people that were like stoked? Like, ooh, yeah, the and that's Exactly. And that was the thing is it was really uncomfortable. It was surprising to me. I had a lot of guys who were like pervy about it and super excited that I was like a 29 year old virgin. They're like, oh, my God, I totally want to like 
you know, one who takes your flower away. And I was like, gross, they'll never say that. (laughs) And then there were like others who I actually had a good connection with, but who felt like it was too much responsibility and they didn't want to do it. They were like, "Uh, I I like you and I like you as a person. And I even like kind of dated this one guy for a while and we never did anything physically because he was like, I just feel like it's too too much pressure on me to be the person who like you lose your virginity to. So it was really frustrating because I felt like I was in this place where I'm like, what the fuck? Like no one wants to fuck me that I want to like, but then the other guys are kind of pervy and I was like, all right, well, I guess like I'm just going to be a virgin anyways. Like may as well go back to Mormonism and my magic underwear. Yeah. Yeah. It was a struggle. And I, I, my poor boyfriend, he's in the other room and he's probably listening like, God, I don't want to know all of these details. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we not talk about this, please? Exactly. So your so. boyfriend is German then? No, he's British. Oh, he's British. Okay. Okay. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, I looked out with him. I, I met him a year after. So once I finally did lose my virginity, it was like, I went through a weird year of trying to figure out what was normal because I didn't lose my virginity in a relationship. It was with someone who I thought I was dating, but turns out like he was seeing other people and it was very manipulative and just like hard because I thought I prepared myself to lose my virginity because I was like, I'm a grown ass woman. I'm 29. Like I know what I'm doing. I know that this is nothing. I know that like, we're not dating, it's fine, but you still get caught up in that. And it was still, I was dealing with so many emotions of shame, of guilt, of feeling like I wasn't worthy enough, feeling like now I lost my virginity, this guy doesn't want me, he's not dating me. And then that insecurity of, well, the church taught me that no one's going to want me now. I have no value left. I've lost my virginity. I'm worth nothing exactly so and yeah it was just a year of like trying to fill that void and not dealing with it so then I just went on a lot of casual sex dates for a year because I was like well this is normal this is what happens I'm never gonna like find love no guy's gonna actually want me because I'm not worth anything I'm just someone you fuck and leave like that's it mm-hmm. and I had really bad sexual experiences throughout that year too that just left me traumatized and numb So bless my wonderful, amazing British boyfriend now, because when I met him, I was at the place where I was like, all right, let's just fuck, you know? And he's like, what? (laughs) He's like, we go there. He's like, "Uh, I would like to take you on a date. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Yep. That makes you feel better. We're going on a date. But like. (laughs) Air quotations. Oh, a date? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is pretty much what it was. And so his first impression of me was like whoa this girl like she's (laughs) she doesn't want any type of relationship because she's talking to me about all these guys she's sleeping with and like all her sexual experiences because that's all I was used to I didn't know what normal was and I was like no guy wants me that way so it's fine like he just wants sex so it took a while and then finally like obviously we worked through that and my vulnerability just that wall I had built up came crashing down and I finally opened up and talked about it and dealt with why I had this like really awful feeling in my stomach after having sex every time and why I would go into a bit of a depression after it of feeling like I was disgusting but I didn't want to deal with it so I would just keep pushing it further down and trying to just hook up with as many guys as I could or get that attention and feel like 
okay, I'm back again, you know, I'm valuable again. Like maybe they don't want to be with me, but they want like long-term, but just for a night, that's good. Like, right. Back mm. Yeah. Ugh. Oh my God. Me. Yeah, dude. And the fact it like, that kills me because that's, that's the common theme is that you, you don't have value unless you act a certain way, unless you dress a certain way, unless you talk a certain way, then you have value in the church. And so you're growing up trying to fit this mold. And that's the only way that you're accepted or that you're considered a good woman or a good person. And so then when you kind of go against the grain and and turn away from that, you're like, well, shit, like, where is my, where is my value? (laughs) Like, where I have no self-esteem at that point. Right. Exactly. And I think it was also too something that I've realized, you know, three years later, because I'm still working through all of that stuff. And it's still, it's a constant every day, like we got to work through it. And um, even I I don't know if you've listened to the episode where my boyfriend's actually on and he kind of tries to politely in a very British way go round about how he because we were talking about like, what were some of the things that you encountered when you first got with me? And he's like, Oh, you know, sometimes when you would be in your head about certain things and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sex, you're talking about <laughs> sex. Yeah. That's what it was. Um, he's like, no, no, it, no, no. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no. Uh, yeah. Sex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like a, a constant battle and something that we still come across every once in a while, because it was not only did I have it from the Mormon experience of feeling this guilt and shame. And so then I want to overcompensate by going out and, you know, filling that void and just trying to make myself feel worthy in some way. But then I would go to the extreme where I would fall into traps of society of making me feeling the pressure of society and living in the city of like, you know, I I need to be crazy. I need to be wild. I need to do all this stuff. And because I'm so against what Mormonism stands for, because I was in that stage, I wanted to do everything to the extreme opposite of what Mormonism taught. And it took me a while to realize, like, and one of my really good friends, Jay, who's also been on the podcast a few times, of him just asking me, like, what is it that you want? Like, it's okay if you want a monogamous relationship. It's okay. Like, that's fine. You don't need to, like, go out and prove that you're okay in being in an open relationship or that you want to experiment or that you want to have an orgy or that you want to do He's like, that's also completely fine. And if that's what you want to do then do that. But just do what's true to you, like what it is you actually want, instead of fighting both sides of it and just trying to, to fit in somewhere. And and that's what I was doing. It was like, okay, well, fuck Mormonism now, like, I don't want that. But then I'm going to go to the extreme other side of the pendulum and try to feel all these things and force myself into this, you know, a square into a, a square uh, in a circle peg, like just trying to like fit myself into a certain way instead of just being like, just do you. That's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> like do what works for you. And so it was a lot of confusion on both sides of it, you know, trying to figure out where it is that you feel comfortable, which yeah. I think is a, a message that like what you're doing in this podcast, it's not just about religion or Mormonism. It's that's a sex is a concept that you're constantly trying to just figure out what's comfortable for you and not being persuaded or influenced by other people. It's what you want. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's completely fluid. Like, and you can feel really strongly about something one day and the next day wake up and be like, you know what, I'm going to try something new. And that's the beauty of it is that you can, and you don't have to, like you said, fit a square. Why, why is that phrase so hard? Fit a peg. I literally, no. I was like, <laughs> is square and fit a square peg or a circle and a square peg? What circle is and a, yes, a circle and a square <laughs> peg. Yes, yes. I never remember that. I'm like, you can fit the triangle in a circle of (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's it. Shapes. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All the shapes. And that's like the beauty of it is is there are no rules and limitations on on sexuality within yourself and and you can discover and explore and find partners that are willing to do that with you or do that you know by yourself and that's what's so amazing about it the the growth I think you can have from it exactly and I think another point too is that it's sorry there are kids in my backyard which makes this (laughs) even more uncomfortable that we're talking about sex and there's like a two-year-old right outside the door they need to know they need to know (laughs) I'm in Germany. They're fine. They know all about sex yeah. and nudity. They're totally okay with it. But sorry, listeners, you get to hear that in the background. But it's <laughs> fucking hot as balls, and I'm not closing the windows. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. So the point of like sex is just it's. I mean, I've only been sexually active for the past three years, but it's like such an evolving process. Like, I did this documentary when I first. I think Katie, you know, what I'm talking about when I. Uh- yeah. I lost my virginity in like August and I did this documentary in December. So just within a few months and it was a documentary about sex and talking about how it's not simple. Like sex is not a simple thing. Mm-hmm. And it had, a, I think, nine or ten participants all explaining their story. And even like it's just now was released and I watched it a few months ago and I was like, God, I've evolved so much from that that spot and that's only within a three years period like imagine where I'm going to be in 30 years when I talk about sex yeah yeah true good point yeah and Katie where where do you stand on that issue like from when you left the church and kind of your I guess in a nutshell development of of reintroducing yourself or introducing yourself into into sex oh man so (laughs) I I started questioning the church when I was a teenager, um, but like you know, Jennifer, like questioning the church in Orem, Utah, is just like not a thing. So oh. I was very, it was like very much to myself because everyone around me was Mormon and my whole family was Mormon. So it was like I, you didn't really feel like you could question, but I started to question things anyway, and I totally lost belief in it when I was probably 20 or 21. Um, and I'm now 33. So yeah, it's been a while. But um, I didn't remove my records actually from the church mm-hmm. until I was 28, because I was like scared that my family would find out. <laughs> so anyway, that's a whole other story. But I actually did. um I didn't really know anything about sex at all. I was never taught anything about sex, obviously, but I actually did lose my virginity. We talked about this in our second episode, and it stressed me out, remember, Sarah? I was like, oh, God, I can't talk about this. But um, 
I, guys, yeah, she was very I, stressed. I, I bet, so dude, because your whole family's still active, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I had lost my virginity to this boy when I was 17. So I was still believing, you know, mostly believing. I was still going through the motions of being Mormon and saying I believed and taking the sacrament and blah, 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 blah. And I ended up having sex with this boy. And I think it was mostly just like, kind of like you guys were saying, you want to be wanted. Like you want yeah. to be mm-hmm. accepted. You want people to like you. Um, and I didn't even really like this boy that much, but it happened. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But I felt like the shame I felt from that was so intense that I didn't really do anything else much until my early 20s when uh then I would I started to get boyfriends but um it's really a similar experience to what um you guys were saying in in the fact that I was doing it what I my concept of sex was like pleasing my partner which for me is men so it was like I just I I didn't even know like about pleasuring myself or anything like that it was all through my 20s well my early 20s was just doing it doing whatever the guy wanted because I didn't know any better but luckily luckily I got over that don't do that anymore but yeah that's it in a nutshell (laughs) that is now we don't please them it's like fuck you you know yeah I know you you do me baby just just kidding Yeah, dude, that, and that too, I wonder if, well, I know that that is such a a common theme too for women in the church, especially in Orem and Provo, because so many guys there are addicted to porn, like so many, and I think girls know that, and there's such like a high standard held to women that like we abide to our husbands, and we have to be perfect, and blah, 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 and so like that makes sense when it comes to sex because we don't want to be seen as like the selfish one or the like, I, I I guess I would always feel like really guilty if I asked for anything. Like I I dated this guy who was Mormon and I was, I was kind of on off Mormon for like eight or nine years. We dated forever and he never went down on me once, not Ah. once. And I went down on him all the time and I felt like I had to, but I was like, oh no, I feel really dirty. Like I feel really guilty. He's not going to go down on me. He doesn't want to, but like that selfish mentality of like always serving the man. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. that's, and making sure they're pleased and making sure that it feels good for them and not even checking ourselves to see, okay, does this feel good for me? Fuck no. Like this position hurts. (laughs) Right. And I'm sure a lot of it can be traced back to like the deep rooted um, religious and just societal indoctrination of like the patriarchy. Like they hold the priesthood. They're the head of the household and the family. And you need a man to tell you that you're worthy to go to the temple Mm -hmm. and you need your husband to take you there. And then you can go to celestial heaven and like have babies. That's like your divine role. But to get there, you have to be appealing to a man. So I'm sure that that has something to do with why my psyche is so messed up over it. That is, I've never thought about it like that, but you're right. Like every step is like a man has to accept you and has to okay you. That is so true. I've never thought about it like that. (laughs) Yeah. 
hate it. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't. We don't like that. Um, I mean, but with but even speaking on that topic too, like not to get dirty, but like the whole, you know, men. Sorry, I'm quite vulgar. Vulgar, but like no, no, a man, please, you know, please, eating please. you out, like yeah, <laughs> you know, yes. like. Uh, it's it's in the church. I remember as a kid growing up, obviously I didn't know what any of that meant until I was I was in high school and I, you know, I went to a public school where like I was the only Mormon or there was like two or three, but they weren't active. So I obviously heard what that was, but it was always like a negative thing. Like, you know, a guy would make fun of someone else for like, you know, another guy for eating out a girl or for, as the Brits say, licking a pussy, which I think is I hate that they say <laughs> that word. That word. I can't. I I'm cannot like, do that word. Don't say licking them out. I don't know why eating out don't sounds they, better. And they, but... the word, and they use the word fanny too. Oh, <laughs> fanny. Excuse me, may I lick your fanny, please? <laughs> Basically, and you're like, do, sir. Bring me some <laughs> while you're at it. Thanks. The term eating out, though, like, when I was younger and heard it, I would literally think of someone eating, a, like eating a vulva, and I was like, "How oh. do you do that?" Like, <laughs> yeah, I do like too. with teeth and everything. Like I didn't understand it. Literally, just meant with your tongue. I was like, "Well, they're they're gonna eat it." <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to do, do that. The terms <laughs> don't make sense though. Like blow job either. It's like, am I blowing on it? <laughs> I, God, so my friend Jay, who Katie has met, and he's I mentioned him earlier, he has the greatest magnet that it's like a, a hard dick, and it says, like, oh, honey, a blowjob is just an expression. You don't actually blow on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, because I'm like, yeah, it's true. You don't That's blow true. it. Like, blow on you, it and see what happens. Let yeah. It um but anyways yeah sorry so I was trying to get to the point that like it just it's always like such a negative thing so that you felt ashamed or I did I felt like ashamed of my vagina and like I would never want a guy down there because it's not like they enjoy it you know I was always taught that it's like it's not like they enjoy doing it and like your vagina smells and like blah blah blah, blah. so whenever yeah and like in the church like you're also taught like when you get married you know having sex is just basically for making babies and like oral sex was like this weird thing that they said you shouldn't do it but it's up to you and then you know Mormon couples would be like oh well you know if you're righteous you don't do oral sex and so I was like oh okay I guess like that's not gonna happen if I ever get married to a Mormon guy and so, like, when I first experienced that, I was really ashamed. Like, I was like, no, 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 don't do it. Like, I, I felt embarrassed. I felt like it was just something that they didn't want to do. And then it took me a while to realize, like, oh, actually, like, men who you want to hook up with, they love that shit. Like, it's not that they're <laughs> doing it for you. They legit love it. Like, yeah. it turns them on. Like, it's and, – and for me, it was like, oh, like, yeah, that's right. You should – you know, you should be privileged to be down there and all that goodness. Like, you're welcome. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. Welcome to my kingdom, baby. Exactly. Yes. Lick Please it. partake, Lick baby. 
Yeah, that and and I'm going to be doing an episode on like vulvas and vaginas and and like the taboo of of talking about them and everything, because I think that topic, too, is so interesting. Like how. Yeah, how we're just not connected to those when we're little and they they call them like I'm trying to think of the weird words that they were called because we never referred to them as a vagina. It was like. PP or oh, yeah or uh my uh, my aunt says the weirdest thing I can't remember what it was but as like she's like a 60 year old woman and she still refers to it as like a like a choney or something like a really oh. weird name yeah. yeah they just don't call it what it is yeah no, no not no, at all you definitely don't call it a vagina yeah I think in the south you say like I remember growing up saying cooter <laughs> <laughs> It's your computer. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like too the I think that's as well why it's so many girls don't masturbate or well they do but they don't know how or they're not comfortable with it or they're embarrassed especially in the church because you only you hear about ma- boys masturbating and and right. the the topic of a woman masturbating is just like so humiliating and shameful like I I started masturbating probably when I was like six maybe five like <gasps> super young super young I'm five me too but really? I've never met anyone like an ex-Mormon yeah. who did the same no, so young like but my we had this like coffee table and it had rounded edges and I would like go up to the rounded edges and just kind of like rub myself against it and I remember being like okay like all right, oh. I, this feels good. <laughs> but so young, you don't know what is happening. And then it just like evolved into like beanie babies. That was like, girl, I had a, yeah. a swan. It was a swan <laughs> stuffed doll that I have distinct memories of, of like being in my childhood bed at like four or five that I would just dry hump the hell out of that thing. <laughs> Yeah, I am so jealous. I just had a pillow. <laughs> hey, but that's that's pretty good too. Yeah, that was my um t- a tool of choice. <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah, like the I mean, I I feel like so many more women masturbated than are willing to admit in the church. Like I feel like so many. And when you would, I don't know about you guys, but when I would talk, when the topic would come up with my friends when I was still like in the church, it would just be like, Oh, gross. Like, ew, I I would never do that. But I, I wonder, I think they really did because I was doing it and I was saying that it was gross. Exactly. I'm sure. Cause I'm sure I I think that even came up within my friend group and we're all just like, ew, that's disgusting. And I'm sure almost all of us were doing it. (laughs) Exactly. It's just human nature. There's no way, but how they make you feel like I, that was my biggest, darkest secret growing up was my that I masturbated until I left the church at 28 I was mortified that someone would ever find out and I was just so ashamed and I had like guilt and anytime I would masturbate I would go into this like depression and be like really upset and like crying and like praying and be like god I know I fucked up I did it again I'm so sorry I won't do it again and then two days later it's like oh hello pillow how are you <laughs> and then it would just happen and it's like fuck and then you would feel like I felt so embarrassed because I had Mormon roommates too so I was like 
God, I'm disgusting. Like they're all so righteous. And then there's me like over here dry humping my pillow and like, I can't control myself. What's wrong. I'm like inherently evil. Like I'm not going to be able to like find a righteous guy. Or if he ever finds out that I masturbate, he won't marry me or he won't want to be with me. It was like a constant struggle like that. Literally, I was so terrified of anyone finding out that I ever masturbated. And from a young age, I was just like mortified. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, hey, babe, I'm going to go grab my toy. Bye. (laughs) See ya. Good. See ya. (laughs) Yeah. And, and uh, Katie, we're like you feel like when you were younger, like how old were you when you first started to, to masturbate? I think I was quite a bit older than you guys. I was not an early, I was a late bloomer. I was probably, I don't know, 15 or so. It was a while. Cause you guys, I was like, a, like how you were saying earlier, like, I swear as you're a religious young girl, you're like terrified of your own vagina. Like yeah. I didn't ever touch it or like figure out like what to do down there. So, yeah, I was maybe, like, 14 or 15. I don't even remember, like, the first time or whatever. But, um, yeah. And I, after, like, I didn't do it very often because I was so, like Sarah just said, I was so freaking scared of someone finding out. And I, like, thought that God was, like, watching, like, could, te- you know, would know. And then God would, like, tell my parents or my bishop and I'd, like, get in trouble or I'd get cursed or something. And so Anytime I would do it afterwards, I would just like pray and pray and pray like that. I was so sorry. And this is how much I didn't know about sex is that I remember praying once afterwards, asking for God to make sure that I wasn't pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea like what even how that worked. And so, yeah, but it was for sure a ton of shame around that subject and feeling like super dirty anytime I would do it. Oh, yep. Did you guys ever confess, go into your bishop and confess about masturbating? Or was that something that you like did not even want to admit even to him? No, I didn't. I did. Yeah. Sarah, you did? Yeah, I did. But only when I was really young and it was so traumatizing. I think I talked about it a bit on our second episode, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Um, But this memory is like burned into my head I can tell you as a five-year-old exactly what I was wearing how I approached my mom like I can remember she was cooking in the kitchen and there was like this little part in my parents old house it's like an old southern plantation from the 1800s house and there's like this weird little butler's room in between and you can kind of hide so that no one sees you before you go into the kitchen and I remember as a kid I I did it I was like, you know, masturbating and I even had like friends from school over and I was like trying, like not trying, but like we experimented at that age too. Just like, oh, this feels nice. Like, and then I felt so guilty because of the church. And even at a young age at five, six, I was like, this is wrong. This is evil. This is bad. I need to confess to my mom. So I remember going in there like super scared, walking up to her like crying and telling her what I did and her being very disappointed and embarrassed for me and was like, okay, you need to talk to like, you know, the bishop about her at church. And I I can't remember if I talked to the bishop explicitly or if it was like a primary teacher 
But I remember I had to talk to someone like at church and had to be like, I touched myself and like blah, blah, blah. And they were like, that's very bad. Don't ever do it. Da, 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 da. And I was just so embarrassed that it traumatized me at such a young age that even though I continued to masturbate, I would just like beat myself up about it in my mind and just be like, I'm a sick person. I'm disgusting. But like, I, I don't have the courage to like tell my bishop. So I would just not partake of the sacrament. And I thought in my head that that was like basically okay. Like as long, I don't need to tell the bishop. I just won't take the sacrament this Sunday. Oh, and you were yeah. five. That's crazy. Oh my I god! Was in kindergarten, so like five or six, but yeah, yeah. I remember I was in kindergarten. Oh, oh little my baby! Gosh. I know it makes you just want to go back to your little self and just hug you and be like, "It's okay." <laughs> like exactly. whatever you're doing is totally fine. Yeah, yeah. And oh. then just to go back and be like, you know, little five, six-year-old Sarah it's okay that you think that women are beautiful too and that you had fun with your friends at five and six. That's okay too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like getting naked and just like staring at each other exactly. or playing like doctor. And yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's totally okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and with like, so with that going into like sexuality and you guys developing that, as you got older were there was there something about your sexuality that developed that you didn't know at a young age like since you left the church we were like oh I actually like women too or I like being with more than one person at the same time like what what kinds of things developed since leaving um for me I think it's it was being a lot more open and like just learning about myself just what feels good to me and also just admitting like yeah I I think that women are beautiful too like I'm not romantically interested in women but it's like being sexually interested in just other things besides this heteronormative thing we've been fed is like has been interesting to me so nothing like very out of the ordinary that I've really experienced, but it's just been nice to feel like not so confined and not like scared of sex anymore, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, it does yeah. for sure. A hundred percent, what Katie said. Like, I think I was so terrified growing up that because of that experience at a young age and because my mom knew about it and my brothers, and they would kind of tease a bit, like, as young age, like, oh, you like, you know. I hope you don't like girls type thing. It like made me like, oh my God, what if I am a lesbian? Like what? Oh my God. Like, and because like I was so terrified of anything sexual with another person other than my beautiful beanie baby or pillow, <laughs> I was like, I'm terrified. I don't want anyone to touch me. And then I started thinking like, well, maybe I am a lesbian. And then, oh my God, my family's going to be so disappointed. And, and Katie and I, even when we were friends, like when we met at 18, we would write like stuff on our, each other's Facebooks. And like, I would get friends and family members being like, why are you talking like this? Are you interested in girls? And I'd be like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want people right. to think that. We were and just now, sweet to each other. And like, yeah, we were just like, being like, you're hot, you're beautiful. And then yeah. people were like, yeah, oh, like God, girl crushing. Yeah, yeah, we were girl crushing. And then yeah. we would get 
family members that would be like, this looks like you're gay. And we're like, Ex- what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so for a long time, I was just like, so like, I can never, ever, ever even think of it that way and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, once I left the church and I had sex and started, you know, just experimenting with my sexuality, I was like, oh, yeah, you don't have to be confined to this box. It's not about a gender. It's about just whatever connection you feel. If there's a chemistry, if there's a sexual connection, that's fine. Like, it's not, quote, unquote, disgusting or an abomination. Like, it's just whatever you prefer and that's okay and so like it's come to the point where I can openly be like oh I find this woman beautiful I find this man beautiful I find you know whatever sexual or sexy and that's okay like that's not an issue um and also just being okay to try fun things in the bed like you know you're taught that you just have sex in one position in Mormon church and like that's just to have babies and I think it's, you know, leaving that idea aside and again, just doing whatever works for you and having fun and experimenting or not. You also don't have to. You can have sex in the same position for the rest of your life if that's what makes you happy. Exactly. Like, you know, yep. it's just whatever you want. Um, and the irony that that's called missionary position. I'm just saying. <laughs> ah, I love it. Just saying. <laughs> I do love it. Is it. The only <laughs> position <laughs> acceptable because it has the word missionary in it. So exactly, it. that is good. You With growing up, my floor down there. <laughs> <laughs> with with growing up, how was your stance? with the LGBTQ plus community, like within your own family. And then like, well, Katie in Orem, I, uh-huh. I can imagine like uh, it was non-existent basically, but Sarah, like yeah. growing up as well, like what, what was your own personal stance of that? And how did you feel um, about them at church saying it's an abomination? It's a sin. It's, it's something to overcome, et cetera. Um, I think in the, so honestly, I I don't remember even thinking about it in high school other than, you know, like, oh, I didn't want people to think that I was gay, but it wasn't like a, I don't know. I didn't know anyone who was openly gay growing up. I, we didn't have it on TV. No one talked about it. Like in the South, it's just, you know, very hush hush. We don't talk about politics, religion, or money, and that incorporates, you know, like, the, you know, LGBT community, like, you just don't talk it, like, it's not acknowledged, so I, I didn't really have an opinion other than I knew it wasn't acceptable, like, I knew that if I, you know, if my family ever thought I was a lesbian, that was a bad thing, that's all I really knew, and then when I went to college, I went to BYU, so of course, like, you're ingrained and brainwashed there into thinking that it is an abomination. And I was always a bit like, uh, okay, yeah, I agree. But also, I know a few people. Because I did meet a few um, gay guys at BYU who were, they had not come out of the closet yet. And I had to keep it a secret. And they had, like, their boyfriends. But it was very hush-hush, and I was like, but how can I think these people are awful when they're, like, lovely human beings, and I don't know, it just, and it would rub me wrong, and then I went to um, Berlin, and 
I remember this image so vivid when I first moved to Berlin. So almost eight years ago, we were sitting in a pizza joint and it was with all Mormons. That's all I knew when I moved to Berlin, who I, you know, I hung out with only Mormons. And one person brought up like, well, what would you do if your child was gay and they wanted to get married? Would you attend the wedding? And my friend was like, well, no, of course not. Like, that's against the church. And then I was like, yeah, of course. Like, I didn't want to be the only one. So I was like, yeah, yeah, of course I wouldn't attend. And they were like, yeah, but and I'm pretty sure I'm even the person who said that, which is even more disgusting and like something I'm very shameful of. But I, I remember, I think it was me saying like, well, if Christ was here, would he attend the wedding? No. So if he wouldn't, then I wouldn't. And that that would be a blessing for my child, for them to see how faithful I am in the church. And it's like appalling that that's how I thought. And then it was maybe a few months later that I met my very dear friend, Jay, who I've mentioned a few times, who grew up in Mississippi. He was a gay man. And he quickly became one of the closest people I've, I've ever had in my life and who helped me through so much. And that's when I started to question the church even more because I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that they did not value him as a human being, that they did not believe he had the same rights as every other human being. And it just didn't sit right with me. And I was like, I, I can't. I feel like a hypocrite. I'm attending this church. I'm paying tithing into this church, this institute. And I'm by doing that, I'm saying I don't believe that people in the LGBTQ community deserve to have the same rights as me. Yeah. And I was a hypocrite because I, you know, these people in my life were my closest friends and I loved them and I respected them, yet I was a part of this institution. Mm-hmm. So that's that was a tipping point for me to leave, actually. Yeah, for for me, um, I like you said, like growing up in Utah County, I didn't even know what being gay was actually until Remember when Ellen DeGeneres came out yes. and it was like this huge deal. And I was like, I remember I asked my parents what it, what being gay was. And they said something like, it just means she likes other ladies, but like didn't even explain it to me. So I still, I didn't even realize what being gay was until much later. But I remember in high school, um, they were, they were gearing up around like prop eight. Remember that? Yes. And like, And I remember my friends, we were all like talking about it. And I was like, kind of bothered because I was like, why would you want to take away rights from people like this just seems unethical. And my friend was like, well, maybe they could get married, but I don't think they should ever be able to adopt children. And I was (gasps) like, yeah, and all my friends agreed with her. And I was like, wait a second, what? Like, why? And they were like, well, you know, they might turn the kid gay, like as if it was some kind of disease. And it really started to like grind my gears and really start to bother me. And then when there was Prop 8 happening and they were actively campaigning to take away the rights of the LGBTQ community, that was actually like when I was like seriously doubting and questioning Mm -hmm. was because Mm -hmm. of that. And I was like, this is not okay. This is not acceptable. Even though I don't know anyone who is out and gay, I just think that this is really uncool. So, yeah. Yeah. I I remember Prop 8. They spent so much money 
advocating yeah. against Prop 8. It's, it's insane. Insane. Yeah. And I, yeah, I remember I was like pretty on my straight edge area at that point. And I remember thinking like, well, I mean, yeah, they're, they love each other if they're gay, but I mean, m- marriage is between a man and a woman and they're trying to take that away. Like it's not legal like and it makes me too sick like Sarah how you said it makes you like ill thinking about how Mm. you were that mentality and I think the same way like but they're not viewed as people in the church they're they're just products that are dysfunctional because they have this burden to bear of liking their same gender which is so yeah. it's so messed yeah. up it's their trial to overcome their oh, trial so bad oh their trial yeah. like we all have inflictions and trials and yours is the that you're gay sorry but you uh, have to deal with it forever it. yeah God. do you want to know also this is another shameful disgusting me I'm, I'm confessing right now because I feel sickening like it's just gross that I ever had this mentality and I'm so sorry to the entire community Ugh, I was the worst um I remember arguing and using this point and I don't remember who it was with it, it could very well have been with someone who was gay and that makes it a thousand times Oof. even worse but I remember arguing being like well, if I have to obey the law of chastity, then the same is for you. Like, it's the same thing. It's just like, I can't have sex until I'm married and you can't have sex until you're married. And then I remember the person being like, but we can't get married. And I was like, well, maybe I never get married in this lifetime. And I just have to remain a virgin the rest of my life too. And I, yeah, I, I couldn't even You have the get... option to get married. Exactly. <laughs> That's why right. it's so gross that I even argue that. But, like, in my head, it was the only way to justify it, I think, at that time of, like, well, maybe I'll never get married and I'll have to be the virgin for the rest of my life. Not even, like, acknowledging the fact that I have a choice and that I'm allowed to date. Like, you yeah. know, gay people in the church aren't even allowed to date. So exactly. it's not just a matter right. of marriage. They can't ever show any type of sexual chemistry or physical touch or anything to the same sex. You can't even just hold their hand. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, everyone is, they would always just say like, well, like it's always a, it's a physical sin. And if you're attracted, it's a sin and you can't have sex and you can't act upon it, but they don't ever talk about loving someone. They don't talk about, Oh, you're gay. That means you you are going to fall in love with someone like it's always just about sex and like they think that just because you're gay you're promiscuous and that means you want to sleep with every single person that's exactly. of the same gender like Ugh. and that's what I hated too is is that if someone came out as gay then all the guys would be like oh they're gonna come on to me or the same with with okay, women exactly. if a girl ever came out as a lesbian all the girls would be like uh, I don't want to be her friend because she's probably going to try to hit on me. And I'm like, that logic makes zero sense. Like, are you, you as a heterosexual, do you, are you attracted to every single man or every single woman? That okay. is the the stupidest logic. It, it really is the stupidest logic ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you guys, okay. Do you remember, I wanted to really talk about this one talk because it's my favorite talk. 
it's the it's by Boyd K. Packer and it's like in 1976. It's super old, but it's called To Young Men Only. Have you read okay. that talk? Jennifer, because you said you were going to bring it up. Yes. I, I had read it before, but it's been a while. So I went and pulled it up and I reread it. And then yesterday I pulled it up. They have it on YouTube. No. You can watch this asshat speak this talk. And it is it's like worse when you watch him speak it because you're just like, oh, my God, you suck so bad. So, yeah, it's like fresh in my mind now because you reminded me of it. No, wait, I didn't know that they had an actual video recording of him. They do. I'll send it to you. Okay, please do. Because I I read it and I was like, there's no way like this has to be ad libbed. Maybe maybe someone like wrote stuff into it. So I would love to see him actually. Totally accurate. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wait, Sarah, have you read it? I, I don't think I have, unless, Katie, have, have we talked about it on the podcast? Um, I think I've, like, described it to you a bit, but we haven't really delved into it too deep. Oh, I'm getting yeah. educated again. It is. So, I mean, he talks about everything, but what, what kind of reminded me about it was he talks about um, the impurity of being gay, mm-hmm. and he talks about when he was visiting, he went to one mission um, area and was, was talking with the missionaries. And, okay, I, had to, I just have to read this part because he's one of the missionaries comes to him explaining that one of his companions tried hitting on him or whatever he did, okay? So yeah, this, like, yeah. this is what he says in the talk about this missionary approaching him and telling him, oh, he calls it physical mischief with another man. <laughs> physical mischief okay so he goes he was like when I was on a mission on one occasion a missionary said he had something to confess I was very worried because he could just not get himself to tell me what he had done after patient encouragement he finally blurted out I hit my companion oh is that all I said in great relief but I floored him this missionary said after learning a little more my response was well, thank you. Somebody had to do it, and it wouldn't be too well for a general authority to solve the problem that way. I am not recommending that course to you, but I am not omitting it. You must protect yourself against homosexuality. You guys, oh, when you God. watch this, when you watch this, the entire crowd cracks up when he says, "I floored him." Like no. I hit- yeah, they all just start like laughing, and he's like, when he's like, someone had to do it. They all just start laughing. Oh, it, it's at a general conference talk. Oh, that makes me so angry. It is so, so angry. disturbing. Yeah. So he's like, okay, like I'm condoning physical violence. Like, go beat the shit out of a gay person. Go yeah. for it. Wow. Yeah. That's it's just so bad. That, I can talk is so gross. It's so gross. But the the funniest part about it is the the factory part. And this kind of goes <laughs> <laughs> this goes back to how we were talking about masturbation. And I mean, of course it's taboo for women in the church to masturbate, but it's so much more a popular topic for men and like the guilt that surrounds them. I can't even I can't imagine, like, because we don't, yeah. we don't really have like wet dreams naturally. I don't even think I've ever had like a wet dream, or I don't even know. If, just, can girls have wet dreams? I guess that's kind of naive on my I part. I don't know. Like um, I, 
I think you can. Like, I mean, I've never, you know, I never woke up from a dream and, like, you know, jizzed my pants or had, like, the, <laughs> what's it called, a cream whatever, cream pie. But, like, <laughs> I mean, I've definitely had, like, sex dreams and yeah. woke up. Like, I am ready to go down there. Yes. Like, I am hot and bothered and real lubed up naturally. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, like, I, I think women, yeah, definitely can. It just depends on, you know, naturally how, if they come quite easily. Or some women, you know, have are blessed with more juiciness than others, yeah. you can say. So, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, sorry, keep going. No, no, no. I mean, I... Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I guess it would just wouldn't be as noticeable as like getting a boner, but that totally makes sense. But like that, yeah, that guilt of like being a, a Mormon boy and waking up with like an erection and being like, oh my god, the fuck, like I'm going to hell. I don't, I didn't even do this myself, you know. Like that must be so horrible. And he talks about that in this talk <laughs> about the. <laughs> the he compares the body to like a factory and oh yeah now I remember, do you remember that and he said there's, <laughs> there's like little men in your body that are that produce a life-giving substance it's semen yes a life-giving he calls it a substance and I'm like a oh sub- my god it's like what the fuck And he goes, he's like, as you move closer to manhood, this little factory will sometimes produce an oversupply of this substance. (laughs) The Lord has provided a way for that to be released. It will happen without any help or without any resistance from you. Perhaps one night you will have a dream. In the course of that, a release valve that controls the factory will open and release all that is excess. (laughs) Like, what the actual fuck? Like, just teach your young men that there is such thing as wet dreams and move on. Like, you don't need to come up with this weird analogy about a factory. Like, it's your body. Come on. Or just be normal and be like, yes, masturbate. It's natural. Then you don't have wet dreams. Like, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Life-giving I, substance. I'm going to just like use that in rotation in my dirty talk from now on. Ooh, baby. Give me, I want some of that life-giving substance, substance, baby. Oh my yeah, God. put it right here. I want it on my face this time. I want that life-giving substance. Ooh. Like, you know? That substance give me life, boo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me life. Yeah. It's so crazy. But like that... That drives me insane because I think that that shame of of having erections or whatever kind of catapults guys into um, a life of pornography and kind of like catapults that curiosity into kind of figuring out like what porn is. I think because no one addresses the topic right on. No one talks about it. And so they're just so curious like we all are. Everyone's curious about their bodies and sex when they're young, but if we don't have like appropriate education, like the only way to know about sex without physically doing it for these guys and, and women is to go watch porn. Yeah. And it's like nowhere near realistic at yeah. all. Yeah. And it yeah. also like demonizes porn as well. Like Katie and I have talked about this too. Like, of course, I, I'm not for porn that, you know, um, 
demeans women or is like, you know, rape porn or anything like that I'm against. But also at the same time, I'm like, if it's just natural, good old porn, like, that's fine. It's healthy. And you can't really be addicted to porn. It's just that, you know, like you're not, it's not like an addiction where it's like, as they compare it to like heroin, where you're not going to be like, oh my God, I got to get my fix of porn. It's yeah. just the fact that like, people in the church have never actually gone and had sex. So that's the only thing that they're looking and watching at and then touching themselves. And that's what causes a deterioration in a marriage. It's not because they're quote unquote addicted to porn. It's because they're not being taught the right way. It's kind of like what you were talking about. Like they're not taught that it's sex is healthy, that mm-hmm. it's a good thing that you can talk to your partner and say, Hey, let's do this together. Like, hey, let's watch porn together. Let's try this together. Let's try something else. It's like everything is hush-hush, and it has to be quiet, and you don't talk about your sexual needs ever. Exactly. Yeah, like you were saying, Jennifer, I feel like for a lot of – especially these young men, like, they're taught that, like, having these sexual thoughts, like – doing like masturbating and stuff is so bad and so evil and they tell you that if you do it even once you're like addicted like even in that talk he says like if you quote unquote tamper with the factory like <laughs> the factory speeds up is what he says like it yes will speed yes and you yes. have to keep doing it more and more and more just keep jacking off and jacking off and jacking off when it's like no it's oh. normal but the way they talk about it yeah catapults these guys and they're going to do it anyway, but then they, like, are curious, so they seek out porn, but then they, maybe they do start to have, like, these compulsive behaviors around it because they don't understand how to do it in a healthy way. And they think that they're just, like, addicted because of how, of the language used around it, and they just feel exactly. shameful. It's like this whole so cycle, true. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so true. You gotta oh, slow yeah. that factory the fuck down, boys. Okay. <laughs> slow it Don't down. let those workers work themselves too hard. <laughs> you gotta save it for your wife. I know. Yeah. When I was listening to that, I was like, how he said, you know, like save your factory for your co- eternal companion wife, and I was like, that poor wife. Like, <laughs> God. <laughs> he's gonna last he's like two seconds. Old- Lack of life substance to drink up. Like, that's a lot. He's like, sorry, babe. Factories and a little high gear. I'm only yeah. going to last like two seconds today. Yeah, I've, I've been waiting for like years to release this. This <laughs> is the life giving substance. Jesus. Oh. And <laughs> with like leaders, like, kind of on the topic of, of, like apostles and leaders just totally misinforming and miseducating on sex completely. What was it like at um, BYU with like the honor code? And I know that you said you weren't, you weren't like sexual at all, but what did you observe like maybe of your roommates or like of Mm -hmm. other people as well? Like with your friends that you said that were gay, were their boyfriends also going to BYU or were they out in school? So they were both they going were, to BYU. Yeah, and, and they had to keep it quiet, obviously. And I remember them saying, like, they were so terrified. They were like, please, please don't say anything. Like, you know, I can't afford regular tuition. And, you know, my parents will pay for BYU. So I can't get kicked out because, like, I won't be able to afford it and blah, blah, blah. And I just remember thinking, like, God, how awful. Like, 
you're given this ultimatum of either being yourself and being true to yourself or your parents like refusing to support your higher education, even though they're willing to and they have the means, but they don't want to because they don't support your life. I'm doing quote lifestyle, you know, yeah. like it's so fucked up. And uh, I, I mean, my my roommates were very, very stereotypical, like BYU um, snitches, you know, like that's very much part of the culture is that you're taught to like spy on your roommates and your classmates and your friends and report anything at all. And like, you know, everyone's watching. Eyes are always watching. Like you can't have people or of the opposite sex over in your apartment past a certain deadline. And if you do then, you know, you can get in trouble and have to meet with your bishop and explain why. And like, you know, men are never allowed to stay the night in a girl's apartment and vice versa. And I I know like it happened a few times in my ward and they were snitched on. Like people told like, oh, I saw so-and-so leaving the girl's apartment at eight in the morning and you definitely stay the night. And they you know, got in trouble and like ended up moving out of the apartment complex. Yeah. So it's just a very, it was a very much a mentality of like, you don't touch it. Like you have, you hold hands, you kiss on the cheek, maybe on, on the neck, but not a lot. Cause you know, necking and petting. Um, <laughs> and that's about it. And, and like, for me, because I had big tits, it was always like, oh, you know, cover up, cover up, cover up. I was told that so many times by guys, like, you know, make sure you cover up or like, you know, because you wear something that's, a, you know, not not so tempting. And I was wait, like, wait, 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 oh. guys, guys told you this at BYU? Yeah. yeah no yeah. way. Yep. Or not to wear such tight clothes that was form fitting because of like my curves. And but then they always presented it in a way that made me feel like I was like they were fat shaming, you know, it was never in a way that made me feel good about my body. It was like, well, you have a lot more stuff to like cling to. So no, like wear something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh-huh. hate those assholes. I do. T- that makes my blood boil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even, even wearing red lipstick legit. I had two people, two guys at BYU tell me that cause I wore, I love lipstick. I wear it all the time. And they told me that it was inappropriate and that it made it was tempting for men and that I shouldn't wear it. It's it was too sexual. And here's the thing. I can vouch for Sarah. I knew her when she was at BYU and she was yeah. always so modest. Like yeah. layers of cardigans and like everything. <laughs> she never even like showed her cleavage, but all these dudes, because she had these nice big tatas, they're like, Oh, I can't help myself around you. It must be your fault uh-huh. because you just own boobs. Mm-hmm. Like I can't Uh, that no that kills me did you guys do you remember I this just came to me do you remember shade shirts with like (laughs) lace trimming on the bottom I had like those in every color yes (laughs) yes shade shirts like they made a killing a killing an aura and and what was it down east down east outfitters oh my god yes Everything cap sleeve, like boat, but you couldn't do full boat neck because your garment. Did you guys wear? Did you guys go through the temple? I guess that's a whole different, a whole different thing. You yeah, did. Okay, so you were I didn't. Okay, and you so you knew the struggle of of garments oh, and, and not being able to wear like a full boat neck because the tiny little bit would be showing like right yeah. toward. Oof. 
dude. And constant, like, and I was living in Europe. So actually, I went through the temple in Madrid. So that oh, was the first did. time. Oh, you did? Yeah, I oh, did. So you got some roots here, girl. Girl, I do. And I was speaking <laughs> that Spanish. I was loving life. That was when I, I was, like, obsessed with this Mormon guy who was from Madrid. And so his parents were temple workers in the Madrid temple. And I, like, went through the temple and, like, they had this long conversation with them about their son. And so it was next level. But I remember when I first, like, got my garments, I was like, this is it? Like, <laughs> I'm waiting to wear these. And I was like, you know, it's hot as balls. Like, I have fucking so long crotch all the time. <laughs> I can't air it out enough. It's like constant yeast infections in the summer because you're so fucking hot. And it's like no air at all down there. And boob sweat. And that's about it. That's mm-hmm. all I and feeling so unattractive. Like I didn't even want to look at myself in the mirror when I had on garments. Like I couldn't. I was like, I feel disgusting. Like nothing about me is attractive in this. I feel you so much. Were you an under the bra wearer or an over the top bra wearer? Ooh, I wore my bra over. <laughs> oh, you did. Uh, you did. Got that you know, close to the bosom. You. Yes. <laughs> I remember I like didn't know what to do, but when you would wear the bra over, it would like bunch. Like right if oh, you were wearing an underwire cup, it would like bunch in the in the cup part. So I was like, fuck, I'm just gonna wear my bra and put it over and that's it. Well, see, I couldn't. I tried that once, but because they're not made for, like, big titties, the cup part would be, like, halfway through my nipple. So, like, it just didn't work. So I always had this weird line that cut across half my boob. And it was like, well, I guess this is just what it's going to be. Like, and because I'm short, the bottoms always went to my knee. Like, I could not get them shorter. (laughs) I was like, God. Dude. (laughs) Can we just give, like, a collective sigh for garments like we never <laughs> have to wear them ever again hallelujah, hallelujah man oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. guys because I never did that and I don't know how you did <laughs> it was a struggle yeah oh yeah it was bad like in summer because I <clears throat> I served a mission but I was only out for like two months and then I came home I could not take it but I was still active for like three years after I got home from my mission and it was like the middle of the summer when I came home and it is fucking miserable in the summer in the winter it's oh. it's not super bad because you're wearing long clothes anyway but oh my god in the summer it's it's impossible you have to wear t-shirts and jeans and pants and oh man it yeah. was it was really like at times I I felt like I couldn't go out in the heat in the summer because there was no AC in Berlin in the summer. So it's like you just sweat all day. I remember it was just like unbearable. Like I I hated the summers because I was like, I'm just going to be so hot and just sit in front of a fan all day just to get some type of circulation. Or I would pretend that I was swimming every day. So I didn't have to wear my garment. <laughs> I was just going to ask you guys. So I've seen like on my Instagram and Facebook, my Mormon friends and family members, I swear they like say they're going to go work out. And so they put on their workout clothes, which is like a tank top and shorts. And I swear they just hang out in it forever. So I was going to ask you guys um, if you ever did anything like that. <laughs> oh, I did it all the time. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Because if you're in workout clothes, it's you're good. Because yeah, it's yeah. The, what is it? The four or five S's like sex, sweat. No, no. Four. Sex, sports, swim. Something with periods. Maybe there are only three or four. Yeah, that might be it. Sex, yeah. sports, swim. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I thought sleep, but no, you sleep in your garments too. Oh, oh shower. Oh. When you shower. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just in case you didn't think of that is shower I've heard of crazy old like Mormon ladies who will hold one hand out of the bathtub and be like halfway have their garment on their arm because they're worried no. about taking it off yeah no because they were told that like lie. if they no take way. it off then the that they're not protected from Satan <laughs> oh my god no way yeah it's sad Oh, I mean, the only good thing about garments, the only good thing was that in the summer it was handy with chub rub because then I could just wear (laughs) dresses and never have to worry about chub rub. And now I'm like, oh, I have to like buy deodorant sticks to, you know, or wear like I actually have like sports shorts that I bought to wear under my dresses. And I'm like, I kind of feel like I'm wearing garments again right now. Oh, my God. I have those too because you have to if you're walking around all day and your thighs are gonna rub and then it's yeah. like oh, I'm dying. Exactly. <laughs> you could do you could do like baking powder that works pretty well. Yeah, I've used Ooh. that too. Yeah, but then if it's like too too hot and then you sweat, then it rolls down your legs and accumulates and then it's <laughs> it's just not good. <laughs> yeah, not good. Yeah. Well, yeah. so okay the. I kind of, I want to wrap up with, with, I've had so much fucking fun, by the way. You guys are so much fun to talk to. I have been so excited. (laughs) So excited. But Sarah, I know that you kind of talked about your, your process with the church and then kind of healing from that. But I know that there's like, and of course, it's it's a lifelong thing. I, I kind of feel like we're all going to have to uh, go through this healing process f- for a, a while. Um, how do you, like, what are some of the ways that both of you have have accepted the abuse at the church? Because it's it's abuse. Like, I don't care who says, well, I wasn't abused. Like, it's, it is 100% abuse that everyone has endured being in the Mormon church, regardless so how do you feel like you guys have kind of recovered from that, that the church has imposed on you? Like what, what's been kind of your healing process and your current relationship with sex? Hmm. This is going to sound cheesy, but part of the healing for me, honestly, has been doing the podcast with Sarah because oh. we've been able to like talk about stuff and and then connecting with the community of people who have been through the same thing has been really healing for me. Um, but as far as with sex goes, I think it just took me um, learning to love myself and value myself. And then it helped finding a partner who valued me as well, because I didn't have that until my my most my current um, relationship. And I think, like you said, it's still just an every day evolving trying to heal and 
learn about things because we didn't when we were Mormon. But um, yeah, for me, it's mainly just been time and giving myself love and understanding and being patient with myself. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. That makes me, Um, I know, it makes me so happy. Yeah, no, I I think I don't have much more to add to that because Katie, you said it so well, but exactly um my the oh god I can't speak English is hard um I'm so emotional this is just so powerful um but it is I would say definitely our podcast like I I know it sounds cheesy and this is not in any way us trying to be like self-promoting at all um it's just it's great to have the opportunity to talk to Katie about these topics and many of them, if I would say a very high percentage of them, I've never even thought about, or I have thought about, but I pushed them far down and just didn't want to deal with it. And having a podcast or a platform where we discuss these topics and discuss how those experiences affected us personally and on a broader level as well. And then having this community of, of people who are so supportive and like you, Jennifer, with your platform and your podcast right now like having this community where we can reach out to one another and just say like hey I I understand I've been there I totally get it um I'm here if you want to talk or you know Katie and I have talked about like the fact that when I'm really scared to post something that's my truth on a social media on my personal social media it's so easier for me now knowing that I have this amazing community behind me who if I post something that's incredibly vulnerable talking about you know self-image issues I've struggled with my entire life because of the church because of my upbringing because of things that have happened to me with men and with dating and with rape and with you know sexuality that I have this community behind me that's gonna say your post means a lot and thank you like I can resonate to this this spoke to me Thank you for posting that. Thank you for being brave. And it's just like such a great safety net that we have in this moment that allows us to to openly speak about things and know that we have support. And of course, we still have trolls that come out every <laughs> once in a while and um, attack us. But it's so much easier to dust those trolls comments off now because we have this strong support system and because we discuss these things openly. It's no more you know, hiding in the darkness and just overcome, you know, quote unquote, overcoming these trials and just pushing them to the side and not discussing them. We now talk about them and we talk about them again and we talk about them again until we get to the point where we feel like, all right, I've talked about it enough to I understand and I, I'm no longer embarrassed. I'm no longer ashamed mm-hmm. of who I am, of my sexuality of sex at all. It's a beautiful, incredible thing that you can experience on your own. You can experience with multiple partners. You can experience with one partner. It doesn't matter. It's still a natural, beautiful thing that you have no reason at all to be ashamed of. And for me, that's been, it's been an evolving process, but a beautiful one. Dude, I have goosebumps. (laughs) Sarah, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That was incredible. Guys, like, my heart is so, like, full. (laughs) Like, it really is. Like, what you just said, Sarah, is is encompassing, like, everything that I I want to teach with this podcast is is having 
the platform to talk about these issues that we never got to talk about growing up mm-hmm. and normalizing them and taking away the shame and, and all that bullshit that mm-hmm. surrounds it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and because I'm in your podcast, I'm going to lay where, so don't even feel like that was at all. <laughs> no, we're, I mean, I, a big shout out to you for having this platform. Yeah, I think thank it's, you so it's, much. It's gonna it's gonna help so many people and it's going to resonate with so many people. For me, like I'm so excited to listen to these episodes and to feel more normal, as you're saying, and to also yeah. just learn from it and to to be okay with talking about these things and knowing that the the episodes and the topics you're discussing are going to help a lot of people. You yeah, know, yeah. it's not just one person. It's gonna be an entire community plus more and those who aren't even ex-Mormon or who are Mormon, it doesn't matter. It's sexuality is a topic that needs to be normalized amongst everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not just specific or unique to Mormonism. It's yeah. for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you guys, I mean, are doing the exact same with your podcast. I think so many people love it and they are, are getting their therapy out of listening to you guys recount these intimate personal moments. And I think that's just like, I think the vulnerability is incredibly beautiful and I love it so much. And I'm so stoked you both were here. Like, thank you so much for taking the time. We talked for like an hour and a half, but it just like flew by. And <laughs> thank you both so, so much for being here and and being willing to talk to me about about all these topics. Thank you for yeah, having us. Thank you of for having course. us. Of course. Um, and I'll go ahead and link uh, the Not So Molly Mormon podcast. Uh, so listeners, you guys can can go ahead and, and listen to these wonderful ladies and all their amazing topics. And yeah, thank you both so much. And maybe you can be guests in the future again. <laughs> oh, for sure. Love, love it. You. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up I'm not quite sure how to end like a podcast <laughs> with guests <laughs> in the name of celestial Jesus in the name of Emma Smith amen amen oh,